Well, good morning, everybody. I guess um, I guess you noticed that uh, I'm not Heidi. <laughs> she called in the B team this morning, so uh, I'm Connie Presley. For those of you that I don't know, and uh, uh, just going to speak to you a little bit this morning. And first, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I've um, get real nervous up here, so just bear with me. But <laughs> um, I've been married for to Clint for 23 years, and we have two teenage boys, um, Mac, who is um, 18 and is leaving for the Navy uh, in about in a couple of weeks. So his date was some of you knew he was supposed to leave the first of October, but then his date got changed. And so now he leaves the 19th of October. So uh, he'll be going to Chicago for Navy boot camp. And then my other son, Nateen, is 17. Nate is 17, and he's a junior at um, Hickory Grove. And um, so those are our two boys. I'm originally from Mississippi. In fact, I have my mom with me here today. Um, visiting with me from Mississippi. She and my dad have brought them up. And dad is a retired preacher. And so I grew up as a preacher's daughter and um, grew up with um, in a Christian home with, a, with godly parents and had the best, most godly mother, best example you could have um, for um, a Christian mother and uh, a preacher's wife. And she was just a great example for me. And um, it was... It was great growing up watching her faithfulness, and I know I'm embarrassing her, sorry mom, um, but just watching her faithfulness to God, uh, even through multiplied times of sorrow and trial, she was always faithful to God and um, always a living lesson to me, and I thank God for her daily and for my dad daily um, to have a godly heritage and to grow up in that, and I'm so happy to have her with me today, but um, I have to take her home tomorrow, unfortunately, and uh, so I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, I have enjoyed having her with me. Uh, I graduated from Mississippi State University with a degree in physical education, and then um, graduated from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary with a master's in theology, which is where Clint and I met. Uh, in Texas and fell in love and um, he's a wonderful godly husband um, what you see on Sunday is what you get that's him all the time he is lives what he preaches and I'm very thankful to God for giving me such a godly mate and um, while I'm thanking God I do want to publicly um, thank God for Heidi and for her willingness every week to get up here and teach us and do such a wonderful job. I love coming to hear what she has to say, and, and um, she's a dear friend, and I stand in awe of her, uh, as most of us do, and um, her example to me. She challenges me to be uh, more than I am, makes me want to be more than I am, and that's what godly friends are for, is to challenge us and make us see um, that we need to be striving to be more godly, and so I thank God for putting her in our family here at Hickory Grove, and I also want to thank Tammy, 
um, for her faithfulness and her friendship. I love Tammy, and I love sharing this um, walk in life with her, being uh, ministers' wives together, and she challenges me all the time, and sometimes in ways that I'm not very happy about. <laughs> but um, I, I just have to tell them, Tammy, last week we were talking, and I was fixing to drive 12 hours to mom and daddy's to to get them and drive them 12 hours back up here. And Tammy was sitting at the table with me, and she said, God's just really working in my life. And I mean, even to this morning, I was pulling out, and I was looking around to see if there was a policeman because I was going to speed. And I thought, oh, what am I doing? I'm, you know, and I'm like, why, why that? Why that, Tammy? So I drove 12 hours the speed limit and 12 hours back the speed limit. But anyway, I do love her, and I uh, uh, thank her for her challenging me to think of things like that, that, that and to be godly in all areas of my life, and um, even when it, I don't want to be. <laughs> but I'm very thankful that she listened to God's call and to saw this vision and brought us together as a Bible study, and uh, I've enjoyed so much being a part of it, and I'm thankful that God put her here to do all the organizing and the praying and the getting everybody together and the thinking of all the little things that nobody else can think of. And I know I must be a great challenge to her because she will call me months ahead of time to organize and plan and think things out. And I'm the day before going, oh my gosh, I don't know, you know. <laughs> and so uh, she has great patience and I thank her, thank her for that. And um, uh, there is, however, one time of the year when I really hate she and Heidi, and that's when they asked me to do this. <laughs> but um, they twist my arm, get me up here, but after today we'll be friends again, and the world, <laughs> the world will all be right for another year. And so, but anyway, the chapter that I was asked to teach is chapter 3, so if you'll turn, just kidding, I know it's chapter 4. <laughs> That was just for Tammy. Uh, chapter 4. <clears throat> and um, as I was looking at that and uh, reading, you know, I read the chapter and read the chapter and read the chapter and read the chapter. And when you get old, you, you have to read it again more even than when you're young because you can't remember what you just read. And uh, so I've just read it and read it and read it and tried to think, you know, the face of holiness, the face of holiness and thinking about it. And then I listened to, on the way to Mama's, I listened to about nine sermons by John Piper and what can I say and, you know, thinking and thinking and I talked to Mama about it, talked to Clint about it, tried to get him to do it. He said, <laughs> he said he would and then I felt guilty and so... We'll have him another time, and uh, then. But you know, I just I I really thought about it, and prayed about it, couldn't think of anything to say. So sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did finally. But anyway, um, I wanted to be really impressive, you know, and bring y'all to tears, and have you just be so moved, and think, oh, she's so godly. <laughs> and and I kept thinking about praying, what to say, and. 
how Lord, how can I want to be good? I want to do a good job. And then I started thinking, and the Lord brought to mind Heidi's piano experience. <laughs> and I thought, Lord, please, no, don't let it be like Heidi's. You remember her holiday piano? Yeah. Please don't let it be like that. I, I would just, whatever, I'll just say stuff and you just use it. <laughs> so um, that's what I'm going to do today is just share with you from some of the thoughts um, that I've had and pray that God will somehow help you to hear what uh, what you need to hear or uh, to be encouraged or to speak to your heart and um, and I'll try to keep up with my notes. Clint walked by this morning when I was writing my notes. He was like, how are you going to read that? I'm like, I don't know. But at this point, you know, whatever. But <laughs> um, I had it all in my head and just had to start writing. So... Um, so, I'm just going to pray that God will use my simple words. The two passages that came up today, when I started thinking about the face of holiness, there were two passages that came up. And the first one um, that came up was Isaiah chapter 6. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with Isaiah chapter 6. Um, I hope that you are reading your book. Um, it's The book is very easy to read it doesn't take very long and yet it's very thought-provoking it makes you really think about holiness and how that affects our life how we should be thinking about it and so um, to me this um, this passage reveals how we should stand before God before the face of holiness and uh, I think until we realize our position before a holy God we can't understand how much we need holiness and how unholy we really are. So it, this is a familiar passage probably to, to you, but um, one of my favorites. And so I'm just going to begin by reading it. It's um, Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, um, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am, send me. And I just want us to look at this, um, this passage of Scripture this morning and just think about it together. And it starts off with, In the year that King Uzziah died. Now Uzziah, this was a very memorable time for Isaiah. Um, Uzziah had been king for 40 years. 
and he was a really good king and he had had brought order to everything and now all of a sudden everything is uncertain everything is unclear and Uzziah is is thinking you know it's it's a time when he remembers in the year that King Uzziah died he he knows that's when it was um, because of the way he was feeling and the things that were going on and he's very um, full of stress and anxiety because of the the king um, dying and so uh, it's at that time then that he has this theophany or this experience with the living God a visible manifestation of God and that's when this happens and he says I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple now Isaiah is given this vision it's like he's been allowed to see into heaven and to see what's going on in heaven. And he says, uh, he looks up into heaven and he sees God sitting on his throne. And I want you to kind of put yourself in his shoes with me for a minute and kind of calm yourself and just think, think about Isaiah sitting there. And in your mind, think about what he's seeing and what he's saying and how it makes him feel. And it's like he he looks into heaven and he sees God sitting on his throne. And it's like, you know, he says he's high and he's lifted up. And and the train of his robe, it just fills the temple. It's like he's trying his best to describe the scene that's undescribable. And it's like this feeling that he has, you know, that God is so big. He's so enormous. His presence is so big that that the whole temple is just full of his robe. It just fills up the temple, and, and, and he's, he's, Isaiah's looking at him. He sees him sitting up high, and he's feeling the greatness of God, and all of a sudden he notices these seraphim, these creatures flying around, and, and he says that the, these creatures, that they each have six wings, and with two they're flying, and with two they're covering their face and you know it's like these creature even these creatures that were created by God and that are their whole purpose is to glorify God but they know they're in the presence of God they know they're in the presence of a, a holy righteous being and so they take two of their wings they cover their eyes and they cover their head because they God is the only one holy he's the only one that deserves any glory and they know that they do not deserve to have their face open and before the Lord because he is too holy. And so they cover their faces with their wings. They cover their feet with two of their wings because they can't have their feet exposed in the presence of this holy and righteous and mighty God. He's too perfect. And so they they cover their feet. They cover their faces and they're flying around. Can you see them? Can you just see that scene? As Isaiah, it's like he's down here and he's looking up into this huge glorious temple and he sees something that's just beyond explaining. He just feels it so deeply and it's beyond uh, explaining. And then all of a sudden he hears these seraphim, these weird looking creatures calling out to each other and they say, holy 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 and when something is mentioned three times like that in the bible it's a sign of like perfection or of um it's a sign of the i'm saying this is the strongest way i can say it if i could scream it to the loudest there's no way to say it stronger than to repeat it three times and so because god is so holy and so perfect they they begin to chant 
back and forth to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now, the second part of that I want us to think about. Not only is God holy, 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 perfect holiness, but the, the seraphim, they call him the Lord of hosts. Now, I know you've heard this before, but I'm just going to kind of remind you, but that term, the Lord of hosts, is a military term, and it, it means the supreme commander. It means um, the div divine... Um, it means the divine warrior, the supreme commander, the Lord of armies. Now, now you think about that. Here is this divine commander, the supreme warrior. That's what they're calling out in praise to him when they see his holiness. Now think about what our culture thinks about God and how how people want to make God these days. It's like, to me, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was like, we view God kind of as weak or soft and cushy and somewhere soft I can land when bad things happen. And, you know, it's, he's it's kind of soft and motherly. Well, that is not how the Bible describes God. It's not what these creatures are saying. Think about what they're saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the divine commander. He's a very masculine, very strong, in charge of all the host of armies in heaven, the heavenly armies. And so he's, he's very strong and mighty. And, you know, sometimes we want to think of God as soft and... Oh, when I mess up, I can go lay down on my little soft mush God and be made to feel better. And that's not what the Bible describes God as. He is a holy being. He is beyond our imagination, strong and in charge of, of the armies. He's a warrior. And I think um, that we need to um, be aware of that, that in his presence... Um, These, these beings that are flying around, that, that in his presence, they can't help themselves. They must praise him because of his greatness, because of his holiness and his righteousness. And so they call out to him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now listen, not only is heaven the scene that, that Isaiah see not only is heaven full of God but now these beings are saying the, the whole earth he is so big and so great and so mighty that not only does he fill the whole of heaven but he fills the whole of earth and he is holy perfect holiness and he is mighty and as these beings cry out it, it says that the foundations shake that their voices, and it, it struck me, it says that they are calling out to look at, and one called to another. So they're calling out to each other this saying, and the voices of them, the voices are so loud that it shakes the foundations, and the temple fills with smoke. And to me, these are things that Isaiah is telling us because it's the only way he knows how to describe it so that we can understand it. He's bound by his human 
ability to use words that we use to describe what he's seeing. And we're bound by what we can understand. But all he can say is that when I heard this and when I saw this, it was so mighty that that the foundations were shaking. And there was everything was filling up with smoke because of this great and mighty God that is being praised. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they just keep saying this and keep saying this. And, and look at how Isaiah responds when he sees this. When he sees this, what this is going on, all of a sudden, he realizes who he is before this mighty God. And he cries out, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts. Now, if we could catch that, sorry, it's old age and hormones, you know. Uh, but if we could catch this, that Isaiah, he's so overwhelmed with the enormity of God. And he realizes how insignificant he is and how small he is and how unworthy he is and how dirty he is and low he is before this great and mighty God. And all he can say is, woe is me. Woe is me, I'm lost. And I wonder how many times do we feel that? Do, do we feel that before we come before God? Do we feel how small we are in relation to how big our God is? Sometimes it, you know, and, and I'm going to reveal a little bit. As a preacher's wife, sometimes I want to just look at people and say, Really? Those are the things that you're upset about? Really? You know, you can come in and listen to a man pour his heart out about God and, and teach from your word. And, that, and then you're going to walk right out and these are the things that upset you? How is that possible? Because sometimes I think that we have this mush God in our head, this soft God that just comes to help us, and, and it's all about us. It's not, woe is me, I'm undone. It's, woe is me. Woe is me. I, I didn't really get anything out of that message today. It didn't speak to my heart. Woe is me. I just don't feel like going to church and Sunday school. I mean, you know, that's really such a puts me out and then dinner's late you know <laughs> woe is me woe is me I can't afford to tithe I can't afford to tithe I can barely you know buy extra shoes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> woe is me my needs my needs are not met woe is me woe is me nobody spoke to me today <laughs> my goodness Woe is me, he is holy, holy, holy. We are, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about a God who is holy. And, a, and, and we are privileged that he knows our names. And so, we're old nothing. You know, it's, we, grow, we grew up in this culture where we feel like, you know, we owe, we, we're owed something. I deserve that. I should be taken care of. I deserve that. We, hey, hey, we don't we don't deserve anything. <laughs> we're 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 lost. 
we are woe. <laughs> woe is us. And we must catch a glimpse of that. We must see that we're privileged to come into his presence. That he is a holy and mighty Lord of hosts who rules the universe and fills the earth with a robe, uh, the the train of his robe, and he is so mighty that there are not words to describe it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. When the when these voices of praise speak, the foundations shake, and 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 we should fall before him and say, "Woe is me." Have you felt that before? Have you, you know, sometimes when, when I'm singing, I just get overwhelmed. I, I don't know, I guess as a woman, sometimes singing, you know, because I think about the words that the song is saying. That song, I am amazed. Oh, I just cannot hardly sing that without weeping. I'm amazed that he loves me. I'm amazed that he cares. <laughs> you know, why does he care for me? I'm nothing. And, um, and, and Isaiah comes before God and he sees all of this and he, uh, he realizes, oh, woe is me, I'm undone. And I, I think it's significant to notice that he doesn't say, I am going to do better. I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to quit yelling at my kids. I'm going to get it all together. Lord, I'm 50 and I'm still praying about the same sins I was praying about when I was 20. I'm sorry, I got, I'm going to get it all together, God. No, Isaiah doesn't say, i got to do better. He says, woe is me, I'm undone. I'm undone, I'm unclean. And I live among people who are unclean. And I've seen God. And so, the Lord of hosts. And, and I think that we need to remember that. And have that at our being. That we are unclean. We are unworthy to come in God's presence. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. It doesn't end with Isaiah laying on the ground thinking, woe is me, I shouldn't be here. Because then, if you look on, it says that one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand, and this is in verse 6, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, now first of all, listen, the angel gets the, the sacrifice off the altar, gets the tongs and gets the coals from the altars and come and touches his mouth and takes away his sin. Look at what, what, what it says. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Now isn't that beautiful? God, that Isaiah realizes how small and, and yet God on his holy temple sends these seraphim and they come and they take it and they touch his lips and they say, you're clean, you're forgiven, your sins are taken away, your guilt is removed. And Isaiah, if you look on, he is so overwhelmed by that. He forgets that he's a spectator, that he's a visitor in this heavenly realm and God starts to speak and God says, whom will I send and who will go? And Isaiah is so overwhelmed at the grace and mercy that he's experienced in the presence of this holy and mighty God that he says, here am I, send me, I'll go. That's where it comes from. That's where our holiness comes from. That we see this holy and righteous God that is so mighty and we realize I am so small. 
and I am so insignificant. And yet God says, your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away. And because of the majesty of that and the grace and the mercy, we say, Lord, let me do something. I want to be a vessel useful to you. I want to do something for you. I want to be all that I, I want to be the best I can be for you. I want to live for you. Not because God has given us this book of rules to follow, but because we realize how incredible it is that God cares for us, this great and holy and mighty God. Another verse that, that came to mind when I was thinking about this is in the New Testament, and I want us to look at it, and it's in Romans chapter 7. Now, Romans is a very deep and beyond my ability to teach books, so I'm just going to touch on a few things and hope that we can I hope that you will forgive me for not giving you the full um, discourse on all that Paul is saying here because it's, it's beyond me to do that. But I want you to look at something with me. Look at ver uh, chapter 7, and first we're going to look at um, verse 18. Chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is, that in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil that I do not want to do. That's what I keep doing. Do you, have you ever felt that way? <laughs> it's like every morning almost I wake up, and every night when I go down, I lay in the bed, and I think, Lord... Why did I do the same things today that I did yesterday and that I did the day before? Why do I keep doing the things I know I shouldn't do? Why? And that's what Paul's saying. It's like, I want to do the right thing. I see the law. I see the things I'm supposed to do. But I can't do them. Instead, I do the things I don't want to do. Why do I do those things? And then skip with me over to verse 24 and look at Paul. He says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I love that because to me it's the same as woe is me. Woe is me from Isaiah. And Paul says, wretched man that I am. Look at me. I can't do anything right. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of, of death? But then look at the next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's the answer. Fortunately, we don't have to keep the law anymore. Paul is saying, this is why the law was set up, to show me how sinful I am and how what I need to do. But I can't do it. I can't keep all of these commands. I can't be holy, essentially. Wretched man that I am. Who can deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. So to me, you can compare those two because um, the, the coals on the altar were taken off and purified Isaiah. But we have a different sacrifice taken off the altar that purifies us and covers us with his blood so that our guilt is taken away and our sins are forgiven, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we, when we put on Jesus Christ, he is the one that takes away our sin and our 
um, guilt and we are then standing before God a vessel for him to use and um, if you look on it at verse 1 of chapter 8 he says there is now there is there now <laughs> there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus so because we have Christ Jesus we cannot of ourselves do right we cannot be holy on our own but through Jesus Christ and his spirit dwelling in us then we have life and we can stand and say here am I send me use me Lord I know that I'm nothing but with Jesus Christ covering me and living in me I want to be for you all that I can be I want you to use me um, and so um, just trying to draw it all together um, look at verse 10 of chapter 8 but if Christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin because we're sinful we're dead the spirit is life because of righteousness if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you so it's the indwelling spirit the Holy Spirit of God Jesus Christ's blood covers us his indwelling spirit enables us to be holy we cannot be holy and I don't know about you but when I read the chapter and I started reading those things you know it lists all these attributes of, of Jesus things that we should try to emulate and be like him and all of these things that we should be I thought oh my goodness there's no way I can do those things there's no way and here Paul says you're right there's no way there's no way you can do it only by the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ in your life are you able to do these things are you able to look like him and to be the face of holiness to other people because he's dwelling in you but I want to point out that I think one of the things that we've missed as a church is the indwelling doesn't come when you pray that prayer and then you walk away from it and live any way you want to live. That is not what this is talking about. The indwell, you know, the Bible says, I will take up, take up my cross daily and follow me. It's a daily walk. It's a daily taking up of Jesus Christ and having his Holy Spirit dwell in us. It's daily. And that's why it's so important that we spend time studying our Bibles, that we spend time so that we can remember, woe is me wretched man that I am who can save me Jesus Christ can save me Jesus Christ dwells in me all right let's go let's do it let's live for the Lord and let's be all let's be a picture of the gospel to those that are around us so that God can use us only through that can we have these daily ongoing putting on and abiding of the spirit because of that then we can have hope and peace Patience, love, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how we get it. And at the end of the day, when we lay down and say, and like I do every night, and say, well, messed up again. God's not surprised. <laughs> he knows the spirit that's at work in me. And he knows that I'm going to try again tomorrow. I'm going to get up. And I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm going to spend time with the Lord. Jesus, please dwell in me. Come in me. And I'm going to try 
to be a reflection of you. So that, and it comes first, though, from realizing I can't do it. I'm, I'm woe is me. Woe is me. I'm wretched. But I don't stay wretched. Jesus Christ deals in, lives in me, and his spirit gives me the ability to be holy and to put on this face of holiness so that to other people I can show Jesus, not Connie. Connie is sinful and wretched and woe. But Jesus has taken away my guilt. He's touched my lips. He's taken away my guilt. My sins are forgiven. So, while I want you to remember that we don't, we're wretched, we're woe, don't, don't forget that Jesus dwells in us. Because of his indwelling, that's what gives us power. And, you know, to me, that's, it's like a relief. Because it's not of my own power. I know that I'm not able. But I don't, the Bible teaches I, I can't be able. Only through Jesus. So, I just put on Jesus and try to live according to him. And he dwells in me. And so, today I want you to think about these verses as you're going through your day, you know, I, I love, I think Paul sums it up in that one verse, in verse 24, chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word and how it inspires us, how it shows us a picture of you and reminds us of who we are before you, but of your mighty love for us that though you are a warrior though you are a commander of the heavenly host though your robe fills the temple you still love us you still care for us and you still have made a way for us to come to you and to um, look on your holiness and to try to be holy ourselves father to to keep um, thinking of your command that we should be pure that we should be holy because you're holy lord and that you will Keep giving us the power of the indwelling spirit to be holy. And Lord, when we mess up, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for Jesus Christ who has covered our sins. And we can be forgiven. And Lord, uh, just keep giving us power. Keep opening our eyes to your word that we might continue to long to be holy and long to live for you and to long to see your, your holiness, Father. And that we would cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Lord, we love you so much and we long to be all that you want us to be.